The following is a message from Hope Chapel in Austin, Texas. Now, here's today's teaching. I need you to come on down to the front. Gang in the back if you want. There's some over here. All right, without further ado, Michael and Terry Sullivan have been with us since Friday conducting a seminar on the prophetic. They have taught us many things. They have opened some windows into our hearts and minds and I think uh, opened for us some windows into the heart of God with regard to um, uh, the prophetic, the th- things that are supernatural, think ways that he wants to engage us. So um, I don't think I'm going to say anything else. Uh, we've known Michael and Terry uh, here at Hope. I've only been here five years, but uh, they go back another five or six years. So about a dozen years or so, they've been a part of Hope Chapel. And uh, so please welcome Michael and Terry Sullivan. Good morning, Hope Chapel. God bless you all. Thank you for receiving us and being our home away from home in so many ways through the years. I'm just uh, very moved in my heart this morning by being here and feeling the grace of God and the, and the pleasure and the delight of God over you. I need to move this a little bit. Okay. How's that? Better? Okay. So, um, and I talk louder as I get going, too. So I, I was starting to cry, so that's why I was, you know, my voice was fa- fa- uh, fail- failing a little bit. Anyway, um, we love you, and I feel the the sense of God's pleasure and delight over you. So God bless you this morning. Um, how many of you were here for uh, the seminar? Raise your hand up. Okay, and how many of you received in your body a token of a supernatural touch of God on your body? Raise your hand up high. So that's great. Yeah, amen. Well, the Lord has uh, given us a ministry of divine alignment. This is kind of acting funny. I don't know what's going on. But um, anyway, the Lord's given us a, a, a token uh, of a touch of God in people's bodies that is a sign of his uh, desire to bring a greater alignment into our lives in general. And so before uh, we, we share this morning, we're going to share a simple scripture. Terry's going to come and share a story of our life and her life uh, and uh, open a passage of scripture to you. But I want uh, you, if you have a heart to do this, to stand up. And uh, those of you that um, understand the drill, I don't have time to explain it. Go ahead and um, measure yourself and see if you need a divine alignment this morning. So all you do is stand up and uh, put your arms out in front of you, bring them together, put them out as far as they'll go, bring them together and look at your fingertips, bend your elbows, look at your fingertips and see if you're out of alignment, if your hands are off one way or the other, and if you are, remain standing. If they're all evened up, sit down. It's amazing how many people need an adjustment. A lot of people received an adjustment from the Lord. All right, just put your hands out again in front of you. Hold them like that. Part them just a fraction of an inch. Father, in the name, the matchless, powerful name of Jesus, let the Holy Spirit come now and wash over each person, Lord, who needs this ministry this morning. 
Touch them now. In the name of Christ. As a sign, Lord, of your invitation to them. And the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit and the truth of the gospel that's in this house. In Jesus' name. Now, look at your, ar- look at your uh, arms again. Measure them. Look at your fingertips. And if you've received an adjustment, then they're even. Sit down. Okay. A couple people. The names. Okay. You still need an adjustment? All right. Let's have two people just right beside her. Just lay their hands on her now. Put your hands back out. In Jesus' name, the power of the Holy Spirit, bless you and come upon you. Amen. That isn't uh, all normalized uh, right now. Then I'll pray for you afterward. God bless you. All right. I don't have time to explain what just happened, but Gino will explain it to you. All right, so, got a passage of scripture for you. All right, this is supposed to work. How are we doing? Okay. Oops. First slide. First slide. Our website. Facebook me. Please consider buying my new book. All right. That's the commercial. All right. Here's the passage. The Lord gave this passage to us um, in a very critical moment in our journey back in February. And he gave this scripture to us through our daughter Lisa. It's a passage out of the Message Bible, Second Samuel chapter two, verses twenty-one to twenty-five. It doesn't have the two there. Second Samuel two, twenty-two, sorry, twenty-one to twenty-five. And here it is. This is a promise for you and for us. God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. Sounds like uh, brokenness, doesn't it? And you know, there's a bad kind of brokenness that comes from sin. There's also a good kind of brokenness that just comes when we humble ourselves before the Lord. And we just bring the pieces. We lift up the pieces that feel broken to Him. So it doesn't mean that you've been in sin necessarily, but it means you've maybe been through some trials. And the Lord wants us to bring those pieces to Him. When I cleaned up my act, he gave me a fresh start. Indeed, I've kept alert to God's ways. I haven't taken God for granted. Every day I review the way he works. I try not to miss a trick. That's because God's tricky sometimes. I feel put back together, and I'm watching my step. And here's the kicker. God rewrote the text of my life. 
when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. Sometimes we get stuck in the wrong narrative. And the Holy Spirit visits us through the Father and through the Son. And He reinterprets to us our journey. He edits out the things that need editing, and He adds dimensions to the story that we haven't perceived before. And He puts us into a new narrative, His narrative. A perspective is changed. And this is what the Lord wants to do for all of us along the way from time to time. To fill in the gaps and to lift us up into the bigger story that He's telling through our lives. And so Terry's going to come and Terry's going to share a bit of her journey uh, as it applies to this passage. So come on, Terry, and um, welcome her this morning. this on? Okay. So, I have uh, been going through all kinds of phases of the Lord rewriting the text of my life and uh, have a a different story than I originally thought that I would. I hadn't necessarily liked the uh, story that I was in, but I believe that the Lord is... uh, bringing me around to agree with him that it is the best story that he had in mind for me all along. But um, I, I went through a, a really big crisis in my life in, starting in 2004, a health crisis that um, basically changed the entire trajectory of my life. Um, let me just preface that by giving you a little picture of who I was before that because I look at the life I have now is it's a new life, and the life I had before was another life. But um, I grew up on a farm in Ohio. I became a Christian when I was in college in the 70s, which was fantastic. Um, I was a very conscientious sort of person, slightly mischievous, but basically a good girl. And um, I was a perennial optimist. I always believed that the best of people. I always saw the cup as half full, not half empty. I could always find something good to to believe and to to look at. Um, I was a high energy person, and uh, I was a I liked to excel in whatever I did. Had five kids. I was married to a pastor. I, I lived the life of about three people, actually. It was uh, very fast and required a lot of energy, but I, I loved it. I, I really loved it. I had an encounter with the Lord in 1990, a powerful encounter, where he kind of named me, and I felt like um, he named my calling something that I think is really core and important for us to understand. Our calling is something we're born with, and it stays the same our whole life, no matter what we go through. And uh, in this encounter with the Lord, the name that he gave me was Fully Alive. That this is the message that he wanted me to carry. 
and I felt like I was a pretty fully alive person most of my years. So um, I went through a tremendous test of my faith uh, in starting in 2004. It actually started before then because um, our church situation in Kansas City went through a big um, uh, we went through a big church split and a, a lot of factions and a lot of really difficult times in church. And in the midst of that, one day I was walking around my house and it felt like I was being hit by a lightning bolt in my face. I started blacking out, seeing stars, and with every heartbeat having seizures that felt like a lightning bolt hitting my face. And ended up in the emergency room. Michael was out of town. My son and daughter-in-law and a friend took me to the emergency room. They pumped me full of everything they could find, and all I could do was throw up and scream louder because I was in the most excruciating pain I had ever experienced. Um, took them about two months to figure out what it was. I couldn't eat anything during that time. I was in so much pain. I would just juice everything. But uh, they finally, a neurologist, Christian neurologist, diagnosed it as trigeminal neuralgia, also known as the suicide disease. And he said, you need to run, not walk, and get a surgery for this thing. So we ended up in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, at Mayo Clinic. A college friend of ours was the CEO there. We stayed in his home, and I went through a couple of surgeries. Um, couldn't do the first one quite. I wasn't strong enough until um, I went through another period of um, health foods and things like that that I needed to do to to be strong enough to undergo the surgery. It's a, it's a it was a brain surgery. It the disease is something that occurs because a vein in your brain shifts and begins to wrap around the trigeminal nerve, which is the fifth cranial nerve. It begins to demyelinate and eventually to convulse and go into seizures. And so it's like a really weird thing that nobody really knows about. Very few people, you know, it's like 1% of the population of the world has it. And uh, I had it. So um, we, I went into brain surgery. I remember the night before, it felt like the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, we were in a lighthouse, a restaurant called the Lighthouse. And um, it was a very stormy, very stormy night. And I could just barely eat my food. And I, I just felt like I was coming undone. And I just wept that night. And I said, I don't know. If this is the last night I'm going to live, as the, the results of the surgery could be you die on the table, you have a stroke, you wake up paralyzed. It was a very serious surgery. And, uh, you know, I realized what could happen. And I thought, is this the last night of my life? Is this the last night I'll ever see my husband or my children? It was a, it was a very um, scary moment for me. So... um I went into surgery the next day, and there was a, a, a little African-American man who escorted us back, and he opened the doors of the surgery room, and he said, Welcome to the, the Land of Miracles. And I thought, he's an oracle. <laughs> this is what I needed. Something in my heart just settled, and they knocked me out and did what they did, drilled a hole in my head, and I woke up alive uh, the next morning, and I um, 
had, I looked like a person who had had a stroke. My face was paralyzed on the left side, and I was still in a lot of pain, but the seizure pain was gone. And uh, I could just, I was just so thankful to be alive. But the journey from there on was not an easy one. Um, I ended up on the couch for two years, basically. I was still in a lot of pain from the myelin sheath having come off of that nerve and it takes a long time to rejuvenate. Um, I went from living 100 miles an hour to complete stop and on the couch for two years, basically. People came and prayed for me. I mean, the amazing outpouring of love was just stunning to me. People came every week to pray at my house. They cleaned my house for a year. I was just incapacitated. My body systems were felt like it was. Just, I was just hovering, uh, a little slightly above death almost. You know, it just felt like I was so not fully alive. I was mostly dead, but my spirit was very much alive in that time. Um, one of the things I experienced was in that time early on. I was on the laying on the couch, and I the Holy Spirit came on me, and I felt this incredible enveloping in the cherishing love of God. I felt so cherished by Him, and um, I I could not perform in any way to earn that. And I feel like the Lord busted me in an area of, of performance that I didn't know I had—a performance orientation that was there beneath the surface. And uh, he really let me know that none of it is about performing. None of it's about earning or deserving. You didn't earn or deserve the hard stuff that happened to you, but you also don't earn his love. You're, it's free. It's a free gift. But it also um, precipitated in me a deep soul searching and and honesty because chronic pain will do things to your soul that nothing else will. Um, Job really became my friend and guide through this time. I used to, uh, I read the book of Job a few times and you know, would do the Bible in a year, every year. And after I read it a few times, I'm like, this is really depressing. I don't really want to read the whole thing again. So I would read the first chapter and the last chapter and then get on with the next one. You know? <laughs> so that's the way I was. I was a positive person. I'm like, this is really negative. I'm depressed. I'm not reading it. So then I, the Lord took me where I had to face it and I had to, I had to live where He lived. And I had to ask the questions that He asked. And I'll just share with you some of the ones that came up. Lord, how can this be your plan? How can this be your plan? Surely this is not your plan for me. Surely this is not your will for me. And why didn't you stop it? I had a fist-shaking, very mad day at God when I just, I was, it was the process of grieving includes anger, and I had a mad, a mad season when I just literally busted out with it and was very honest with him. I said, why did you let this happen? And I said a few other things to him too that he already knew were in there, but it, just needed to come out so I could see it and and we could process it. And I want to say 
that that scripture that he shared with you from 2 Samuel 22, verse 25. It's the Lord rewrites the text of our life when we open the book of our heart to his eyes. And he made me do that. He made me go through something that made me open. It was an open heart surgery where he got into deeper places than he had ever gotten because I opened it and it was like there was no other thing I could do. I couldn't hold things in or I would explode. So why didn't you stop it? I was mad because he didn't stop it, because he didn't block it. And I realized that underneath that, I had an assumption that if I was a good girl, that he would, you know, protect me and none, none of this bad stuff would happen. You'd have your normal levels of, of, you know, trials and stuff, but the really bad stuff wouldn't happen to you. And I didn't know I had that assumption until I got tested to the point that, oh, there it is. Well, what do you know? There it is. So I had doubts. I had fear, a lot of fear, because um, I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know. I, I felt a lot of fear about living, having, having to live in pain the rest of my life. And the reality was that the Lord healed me in stages and kind of held, he held me in the midst of that in a, in a way that um, I can only describe as I felt arms around me. I literally, there were no words. I could just feel his arms around me. And during that time, Psalm 139 just became like a prayer that I would breathe daily. That whether you're in heaven or hell, it doesn't matter. His He is there with you. When I walked into your sanctuary and I saw, I am with you always. That was what he was saying to me. And the way he said it was, there's no place you can be that I'm not. No place. And I, I felt tons of guilt that I would never be able to do life again and, and it would be somehow my fault that I couldn't take care of my kids and give them the things that I wanted. That was the point for me where it really hit me. As I have five kids and I love being a mom. And I couldn't do for them. I had two still at home during this time, and I felt terrible guilt that I wasn't able to perform for them. And it was a, it was a big fear thing. I felt like I had been handicapped all of a sudden. It was like being in a car wreck, and, and all of a sudden you can't do life. You can't walk. You can't do anything. And I also lost my smile. I mean, one of my biggest strengths was always being able to smile. I could always offer people a smile <clears throat> and a positive word. And it was like I, I went went through a process of grief of letting go of the fact that I would never have the smile that I used to have. And I always felt like a, a Proverbs 31 woman could smile at the future and there was just the sense that I would never be able to be that Proverbs 31 woman again, that I couldn't smile at the future. I went through such a deep place of um, depression that I couldn't, I couldn't see the light sometimes. But I could, I could feel his arms around me every day, every moment, every step of the way. 
And that's what got me through it. So, um, the Lord broke through my naive optimism and has replaced it with a new kind of hope that happens on the other side of deep, deep disappointment and disillusionment. And when you go through disillusionment, you lose your illusions. <laughs> if you let the Lord get a hold of you, that's the, that's the upside of it. I have a new optimism. I'm always going to be an optimist. I was born one. But having been tested to this degree, I don't have as many illusions as I used to. And I saw through my illusions. And it really has made the way for me to become my truest self. I realized that my calling to fully, to be fully alive was being tested even to the point of death, to being threatened with death. And that that even pointed to the calling. I believe that whatever your calling is, that you will see the high points in your life speak of that calling and the low points of your life also speak to the assault on your calling. And when I began to see that, it empowered me to believe God that he was actually going to fulfill his plan for my life, which I doubted. But he was actually fulfilling his plan for my life through what I was going through. It was like um, walking Jesus walking through the wilderness temptation. I feel like he, the Lord took me on a wilderness temptation where Jesus confronted Satan. I, I confronted the devil in this, and he confronted me. And I understood with a greater sobriety who he was and what he had done to humanity. And, and that in us, he had somehow successfully infected us with some part of himself that made me hate evil even more and also made me more wise as a serpent and I was I was stronger on the innocent focusing on the innocent as a dove part but you have to have the wisdom of the serpent to really be strong and really make it and really fulfill the plan that God has for your life so the outcomes of letting the Lord into my heart in a very candid and honest way, in a very gut-level honest way, that I have a greater empathy and understanding for pretty much everybody, for the kind of pain that people go through that I would have had sympathy for, but I have empathy now. I have an empathy for that. The outcome, another outcome is a life coaching practice that I started, and I called it Fully Alive Life Coaching. And I, I see the Lord, you know, teaching me how to do this with people by powering up my life from ground zero, one layer at a time, building your life back up. And I feel like I can help people in a way that maybe I couldn't before. I feel a lot closer to my adult kids. I was so afraid that they would be mad at God by seeing what happened to me. And every single one of them, in me not being able to be there the same way that I had for them in the past, found God in a new way, in ways that have challenged me and helped me to grow.
So that fear and that guilt was just brought to nothing. And I'm so grateful for the, the real, very real love that I experienced from the body of Christ. And, uh, people that I would not have, people came out of the woodwork. People I would not have expected. There were people that I would have expected to be there for me that weren't. That was a, a tough revelation. But there were people, so many people who I would not have expected that just poured into my home. My home was, was church. I couldn't go anywhere for two years. So home was church, and they, the church came to my home. This uh, past February, actually it was March when we went away, we came to Texas between it was between jobs for Michael, and we had a wonderful time uh, on the ocean down around Galveston area where we had time to be with each other and with the Lord in a really amazing way. And that was when this scripture that he shared from 2 Samuel 22, 25 became very important. And we spent lots of hours talking, praying, reading scripture, and um, walking on the beach. And um, some of the, uh, there were still some questions and doubts in my heart that needed to come out. And having that emotional space and time to let my heart come out and say it, because it's basically, he already knows what's in your heart. It's about you getting in touch with it and really opening it voluntarily to him. We were walking on the beach, and um, I was looking at the waves, and it seems like every time I'm around the ocean or the mountains, the Lord gives, gives me a new insight about himself. I saw, um, just, I noted that every wave that came in, no matter how big or how long it lasted or how small, every single one of them folded back into the vast ocean. And that sparked uh, something in my heart, and I finally was able to say it, was the feeling and the thought that somehow God's plan had been thwarted. Somehow that the devil had won and God's plan had been thwarted. And it was, that was an original question, but you know, you just don't know the layers of your heart. You just don't know it until he shows you. And this is the scripture that he gave me and it's from Job, who's now my friend. <laughs> and this is in the um, ESV translation and it's Job 42 verse 2. Lord, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. He can do all things and he chose not to stop what happened to me. And that's okay with me now. I'm good with that. Because I know that he's good and I know that he loves me and I know he's got my best intent. And I also know and believe now that no purpose of his can be thwarted. That just like those waves, regardless of if it's a wave that we surf on and we ride on and we get somewhere with it, or it's a wave that takes us under and sucks us down in the undertow. Either way, it all folds back into the great unfathomable purpose of God.
and I'm all good with that now. He really, that settled something for me, just that observation. He spoke to my heart on the heels of me just opening it up to him and saying, you know, this is where it's at. And I, I came home with something settled at a very, very deep level. It was like an anchor went down in my soul. And I get to keep that. That's something that can't be taken away from me. And I, I really believe that it is his purpose to have a people who know the truth of Romans 5.5 5 in their hearts, regardless of their circumstances. Romans 5.5 5 says that the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And when every other witness of circumstance, even people, whatever it is in life that's telling you God doesn't love you or questioning the goodness of God, if you have that thing in your heart that it lets you know that you are loved, that God loves you in the midst of it all, then you are unshakable. You cannot be stopped. I heard, I had the privilege of hearing Corey Tim Boom in 1976 at an Urbana Missions conference. And it was like um, there was a spotlight on her in a, in a way that I've never forgotten. That, And I now realize it was because I was going to need those words for my own life so much. But she gave her testimony, um, what she went through, which is far worse than anything I could ever imagine. But your own personal hell is your own personal hell. And she had an amazing personal hell. And she shared that Romans 5, 5 was her very favorite scripture because truly the love of God was poured into her heart by the Holy Spirit, which was given to her. And I pray that you will all become that people that have that witness of his love regardless of any circumstance that you know that you know that you know that God is good and that he loves you and that no purpose of his can be thwarted. Terry, um, she's a marvelous person. She's, um, she's my hero, and I know she's a hero of the Lord, and She's been my life coach now for 34 years. We celebrated our 34th uh, wedding anniversary last night. So that was wonderful. Yeah, so, um, yeah, th- this passage, God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. It's just a fascinating uh, translation, isn't it? And if you haven't read Eugene Peterson's stuff, please do. He's a, he's a hero of the faith and a, a, a great man of God. And um, I just so often will turn to the Message Bible and get new insight into the heart of God through this great translation. But uh, I, I, as we close, I just uh, want you to start to ask the Lord to apply this to your life and take it personally. So, uh, opening the book of our heart to his eyes, that's the, that's the mechanism, if you will, on our side of the equation, on our side of the relationship. 
that that causes this wonderful divine editing and authoring reauthoring process to happen this new narration getting into the right narrative and uh, our prayer for you this morning as individuals and even as a congregation as a as a family a spiritual family is that somehow that the lord is going to accelerate and activate this promise all right so that's the idea so the so the challenge for us on a practical level is uh how do we open the book of our heart to his eyes how do we do that and i've got a few suggestions for you as we close of how of how we can do this terry and i've been doing this real deliberately uh since uh march and um and the lord's been faithful to us it's just been it's been an accelerated sense of Every day he's guiding us. Every day he's giving us insight and new things are happening. New opportunities are taking place for us. So, uh, of course, opening the book of our hearts to his eyes is not for his sake, right? Because his eyes, he sees everything anyway. The issue is us, right? We need to see more of what he sees. And so the the way it happens is by a uh, a deliberate, intentional act on our part to open the book of our heart to the Lord. Why is that so challenging for us? Why is that so difficult? You know, because we we uh, have doubts and we have fears about really what's in our heart. And I think Terry did a great job of just talking to us about opening not just the the good things but the hard things the uh the fears the doubts uh, i love the psalms don't you the psalms are just so raw when you read them in uh the english translations they come across like uh very polished poetry but actually in the hebrew language the psalms are not polished poetry they are raw words from the heart. And it's if you read them, it takes a little bit of guts to read the Psalms sometimes, don't you don't you think? Just how real it all is and how close to the nerve it can get to read the Psalms. And yet the the point is is that God obviously gives us an invitation to tell him everything. To tell him everything we're going through. Everything that we're experiencing from our own perspective. And if our perspective is wrong, then in the process of telling him about it, he will change our perspective and help us get through. There are many Psalms that begin with this frustration with God and end up with praise. You notice that? It's almost a little, it feels almost a little schizophrenic, but it's not. It's, it's a process of coming around, but you need the process to get there. And so I've got five suggestions for us of ways to open the book of your heart to the eyes of God. The first thing is to give Him your thanks. Give the Lord your thanks because no matter what you're going through or what you've been through, there's always something that you can thank Him for. So give God your thanks, number one. Number two, give God your sin and the guilt and the shame of failure in your life. Don't hold back. Just tell it like it is. Nothing shocks him. 
Nothing scandalizes him. He already, he already went through all of that for us. Right? And so just tell it like it is. Here it is, Lord. And, and give him that sin and the guilt and the shame of your sin. That's a, that's a byproduct of the sin. And the Lord will lift it off of us. That's what he does, doesn't he? What an amazing gift we have in Jesus Christ. This is the gospel that we confess our sins and He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins because Christ did something about our sins. Not just because God's nice, but because Christ did something about our sins. That's how we can be forgiven. Number three, I've kind of separated out a sin, maybe. Fear. Give Him your fear. Give Him your anxiety. Cast your cares upon the Lord because He cares for you. Don't don't hold back from telling him what you're afraid of, what causes you to be anxious. Tell him those things. Cast it upon him because he cares for you. And if we'll do that, then it's it's vulnerability. See, this is what the Lord's after. It's, he, he wants us to become vulnerable. Vulnerability is a key to relationships. And the enemy of our souls works overtime to get us into spaces where we lose our vulnerability. Stay vulnerable before God. Number four, give Him your time and attention. Terry Talk called it emotional space. Give Him some time. Give Him some space. Give Him some attention where you're saying to Him, Lord, help me to understand my story more. Help me to get in touch with what my heart has gone through as I've gone through the journeys of life. You know, they say experience is the greatest teacher. It's actually needs to be qualified. Evaluated experience is the greatest teacher. You've got to evaluate your experience in the light of the Lord. And number five, and the final one, give Him your amazement. Give Him your wonder. Be amazed at who He is. He's able to rewrite the text of your life and put you into the right narrative. Will you stand with me? And pray. What a beautiful morning it's been. Great worship. Isn't music an amazing gift? And then a time of consecrating ourselves and coming to the Lord that Gino and Steve called us to. Boy, I felt the presence of God so strongly in that invitation. My heart was just breaking before the Lord. Thank you, Father, for this morning. Thank you for feeding us. You're a great shepherd. You lead us beside still waters you into the green pastures, Lord, and you, you cause us to lie down in that place and receive from You. Today, Lord, I pray now, let us receive. Let us be good receivers of the Word of God, of the grace of God, of the power of God into our lives. Lord, we open up. We pray, Lord, for each other. We pray that we would become vulnerable again if we've been become invulnerable. We pray for the gift of vulnerability. Lord, that You would stir in us a hunger to spend time thinking about your story in our life and our own journey 
Give us insight into our own journey. Lord, we do give you these things today. We give you our thanks. We give you our sins. We give you our fears and our concerns and anxieties. We give you, Lord, this time, like we have this morning, we'll give you more, and we turn our attention to you. And Lord, as we do, we give you our amazement and our wonder who you are, Jesus Christ, and what you've done, Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. Lord, bless Hope Chapel in these days. Rewrite its story. Let the people involved get in touch again with the story of Hope Chapel. And Lord, write new chapters for Hope Chapel. Let there be a time of recovery and restoration, a a, a regeneration and a new generation, Lord, of grace and of purpose. Let it come powerfully upon Hope Chapel, Lord. And bless her ministry. Thank you for this wonderful ministry to international students that took place last week. Lord, those seeds were sown. Let them come to fruition. Make them germinate. Bring the fruit. Lord, see all that Hope Chapel is about and have tender mercy upon this fellowship of believers. Thank you for the, thank you for the grace of God that's been deposited in this place and this community of faith. And Lord, I pray they would draw upon rich resources uh, from the history of this church, and not only the history of this church, Lord, but the history of your church throughout all the ages. Lord, let ancient strength flow into Hope Chapel. And Lord, I pray also for the new things that you're doing in our day, that also these things, that they would partake of these things and be catalysts for it and even forerunners for it. Bless them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. All right, I'd like for the Heart Ministry teams to come forward quickly. I've asked, uh, so Terry, would We hope the Lord has used this recording to instruct, encourage, and inspire you. For more information on Hope Chapel, or more sermons or seminars for download, go to hope.org. Thank you for listening.